Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Have you ever made a decision feeling pretty confident in it? You know, this is the best option for me, my family, my friends, just all around. This this is the way we need to go. But then you're living in the decision and the impacts of it. Well, they start making their way to you. And those repercussions cause you to question everything. There's pain. There's loneliness, anxiety, maybe some grief. And you look back at the moment you made the decision and you wonder, why this? I made the best decision. I thought this was the right thing, but I'm miserable. But then you get to the other side of that season, right? You go through it because that's really the only way. And you think, I would make that same decision again. Why is that? I've spent a lot of time considering that, living in that. And here's what I've come to learn about it. Discomfort opens up the door to discernment. We look inward and we search deeper because we want understanding in the midst of all the things we don't understand. We find and are usually surprised when we discover our discomfort is not because of outward pressures, but instead an inward passiveness. We aren't intentionally taking the time to understand the beat of our own heart. Why not? Well, I think the answer to that is different for everyone. Maybe there's too many expectations to fill, too many yeses, not enough noes. Maybe our eyes are locked on a screen instead of resting in any sort of quiet. All of that requires intentionality. And as I listened back to my conversation with Aaron Moon, I realized the root of everything we talked about was actively and intentionally making decisions. We talk about a hard season for her family where they had to keep trusting a decision that they had made and the full confidence that it's what God had for them. We talk about boundaries with our screens. We talk about, honestly, like the full gamut of anything you can think of. I don't really know how to spell the word gamut. I realized this as I was writing this out, but you know, just we'll look that up later. But most importantly, in this episode, Aaron talks about Lent which is probably one of the most intentional seasons we can step into. And for some of you, you're thinking, I don't need to hear about that. But let me tell you, the Lent guide that Aaron has written is beautiful, and it will take you and lead you into this season that we are about to celebrate, this Easter season, and make it more about what Christ did for us on that cross and less about where we're going to hide the eggs come Sunday. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Aaron. Here is No One Told Me with Aaron Moon. Okay, so we are with Aaron Moon today. If you follow the podcast at all or the Bible binge or anything, you know who Aaron the Edge Moon is. You are. Do you sign autographs that way, Aaron? 
No, I don't think I've ever signed an autograph in my life. <laughs> I'm going to screenshot you right now and then send it as a headshot and you can sign it and send it back to me. Perfect. Done. I'll do it. <laughs> we're on to something. But I think yes. one of the best ways to get to know someone is to ask them to describe their perfect weekend and who that would involve fully knowing you're going to get judged for who you choose. So sure. just be be aware of that before you go into this question, Erin. No. Yes. I mean, I, first of all, I'm a simple person. I have simple needs and desires. My ideal weekend is definitely in a king size bed, mm-hmm. not in my own home. Mm-hmm. Like uh, supervised visits from my kids. I enjoy but that. Like limited. You know, you limited, get you get two taken, hours. Mm-hmm. They've taken some sort of pill mm. that makes them the best version of themselves. <gasps> yes. So like they're very cuddly. Mm-hmm. They're very warm. They're they're not, they don't stink. Yep. They want to they, go get a Diet Coke for you out of the fridge when you they need want it. They that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a charcuterie board, but it's just different types of fries. I just saw this on a story. Yes, and I did too. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was like all the fries from different places, mm-hmm. a variety mm-hmm. of sauces, and I'm in bed pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Maybe a masseuse comes in. Is there a TV? What, oh, yeah. do, you th- oh, yes. what do you do? Oh, okay. And it's just like an unlimited amount of time to read whatever I want, mm-hmm. to sit in a bubble bath, to uh, like have a conversation with my husband. But then like he leaves. Is and he I can also be on limited time? Like he's on limited time okay, as well. Good, yes, good. absolutely. We have to have boundaries, you know? I just I mean, want to be in a cocoon sometimes and um, with fries. That's all. I just don't think that's too much to ask for. I don't think so I either. think it's fair. And that I also saw that board and thought, this is the best idea I've ever heard. Like, I like cheese. It's brilliant. I do, but French fries is the direction I want to go. Cheese is great, but yeah. sometimes you need a you need a starch. You need a, in a there. salty starch. I agree with uh-huh. that so much. Now, yeah. so when I started following the podcast, I just by proximity started following you because you were just a good time. And, oh, thank you. Um, you know, you, you like to hear that, don't you? You're a good on the, time. On the Aaron. bathroom doors of the internet, Erin is a good time. It's a good time. I now have your number. I'll put it underneath it too. Great. Um, yeah. But I know that you left a pretty conventional job to join the the Popcast Media Group. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that did not come lightly for you. I'm sure that that, I'm kind of curious how you got to there, that you're doing something you're so passionate and you love right now. What was it like to go from what you were doing, what were you doing, first of all, to what you do now? Yeah, I've, I've not had a lot of what I think people would consider conventional jobs just because I have a very uh, varied and strangely specific skill set. But I was working for a Christian publisher and events company for youth, writing Bible studies for them, editing Bible studies for them. Before I had my third kid, I was the creative director for them. And then I asked to be demoted. I wasn't demoted. Like they didn't do that. I was like, I let's be I clear. Let's yeah, be clear. I want to be very clear that they were not in <laughs> violation of any standards. Um I've been doing that for a really long time. And as I started working more contract with the podcast, just because of the weird experience I have in event planning and mm-hmm. that type of a thing, um, it just started to be like, hey, one of these is going to have to go. And I think people would be really surprised at how conventional the podcast job is. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm still in spreadsheets a lot. I'm making docs, which is pretty much what we're all doing that now. We're the just story just of all of our lives. Make docs. <laughs> and um, 
But, uh, you know, it, I do get some weird Google searches every once in a while <laughs> pop up. But for the most, you know, we come to an office every day. Yeah. And I think it's more conventional than people would imagine. I would think so, too. I mean, I obviously I wrote the question, so I didn't think it was that conventional. But it makes sense <laughs> now that you describe what it is that you're doing. And it's similar to what you are already doing. But with any decision like that, I'm always curious to know how people make their decisions. You know, like you get to an age where you're like, okay, I want to do something that I'm excited to be doing, that I love the people I'm doing it with. And that's not always an opportunity for some people, but sometimes you want to go looking for it or it does come straight to your door like it did with the podcast for you. So how did you walk through deciding what you were going to do next? Yeah, that's such a great question. So for me, I like to get a lot of evidence and then I like to examine it through a lens of how do I feel about that? So um, I knew the things that I wanted that were important to me in my life. And they were, I wanted to be able to be flexible with my kids' schedules so that like I could go eat lunch with them mm-hmm. during the day. Or I didn't have to feel bad if one of them got sick. I hate vacation policies. <laughs> with Just across the board. Let's Just be across clear. the board. Like let me work and let me do my job and then let me go off for a few days. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an adult. I can do that. And so I knew that there was a certain level of flexibility that the podcast was going to be able to provide for me as opposed to the job that I was at. And that's not a knock against them. It's just they're a bigger company. And I really like starting things and building things and making systems and creating uh, new ways of doing, and what I love, what I love so much about the podcast job and the and you know working on the Bible binge, and is that it one it works two parts of my brain. I'm a creative person, but I'm also like I just want to sit in a spreadsheet for a while. Like I want to, I want to do some like basic math problems and figure out percentages, and mm. I want to work the HR part of this job. And um, we have a small staff and. We have a few contractors that work with us. And so um, I, I like that aspect of it. And then there's also this very creative. And um, I love being trusted in my job. That was very important to me. Um, and I've been doing a lot of the same thing for a very long time. And so there was also an aspect of that that was like, hey, this is new. This is, you can decide how you want this job to look. And mm. Um, you are trusted in that area. And that was really important to me as like a grown woman. Yes. Like that I know what I'm doing and I know I can bring value to something. And so um, just as my husband and I were talking about it, it just started to seem like the right thing to do. And it was started to seem like the next open door. And that's just kind of how anything like that has happened for me. It's just been like, hey, you did this. Here's another open door. You want to walk through it? And so, and that has, that doesn't mean that there weren't problems and that there aren't problems and that everything's worked out perfectly. But I really love where I'm at. I love every, not everything about this job, but a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great, it's a great spot to be in. Not everything, but most of it is great. Not everything. Nobody likes everything about no, their job. It's impo- you always, I think I learned this with a little bit of age. There's always going to be something about your job that you don't like doing. I mean, I don't know anyone that loves every aspect of what they do, but I know for you, you said the flexibility and having the third kid and knowing this is a a little bit of off the record question, but I was curious about it when you talked about having your third and just kind of making that shift. That's a lot of life change all at once. But, you know, for the, the moms who are kind of doing both, you know, like they are working and they have their kids. Do you ever come up against like the guilt of working, you know, like, Never. I I have put that so far away. And and I say no 
like that hasn't been a process, but it is a process, obviously. I think everybody's doing what is best for them or they're trying to figure out what is best for them and their kids. I know from experience, like snow days and holidays, I'm not, I would not be a great stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Like I would be aggressively bad at it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I need to force myself to do that. My kids don't even want to be stay-at-home kids. Like we, we entered a semester this year where my two oldest kids, they are going to go to after-school care for a few hours. And I was telling them this and I was like, hey, you're going to do this. And I was like couching it in this like, it's not that we don't love you. It's not that we don't want to. And they were like, we can't freaking wait to not have to come home from school Let every day. Let me stay away like, from you oh. longer. That's great. Yeah, pretty much. So I, you know, they're growing, they're getting older and they're kind of, you know, they're examining relationships and and feeling stuff out. And they they like being with their friends and they it's a good, healthy environment for them to be in. And um, that works for me. That works for us. It doesn't work for everybody. And that's okay. Amy Poehler, she says, great for you, not for me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like you're not going to fit in anyone else's box. There are a lot of women in my church who are stay-at-home moms. It is their calling. It is their job. It is they are passionate about it. And it's not that I don't love my kids. It's that that is part of what I'm doing, and it is part of what they're doing. And they're fully formed humans, and they can they can stay at home and still be women with desires that are you know outside of their children and so i think we do ourselves such a disservice when we make people feel bad or we say oh well this works for me and so it works for everybody i don't think that's true and i don't think that's ever been true well and i think just the way that you said it as soon as i asked that guilt question you said no because you've <laughs> obviously i don't think i know a mother who hasn't like questioned it at some point you know sure and you know i work full time too and i learned on maternity leave i was like i i'm not doing this like Mm-mm. this is not for me listen i, I am, thought that i legitimately thought when my, with my first child after, while i was on maternity leave i thought hey wolves are going to come through the window and take her. And I can't, like, I can't be, I can't be party to that. Like, it was just such a, it was such a crazy time. But I do remember thinking, like, very clearly, very lucidly, this is not for me. But it's just a season. And I've, and I think that is also something like viewing, I remember my mom, my mom stayed home with my brother and I, Um, she was a teacher and then she stayed home with us until we went to elementary school. And then she started teaching again. And she was like, I was so, I was always a little frustrated because I couldn't see that this was only a season. I wanted to be back in the workforce. I wanted to teach, but you know, when I was teaching, I really wanted to stay home with my kids and it was just a season that I was in and I was going to leave it. And so I think that's important to remember. That's Whatever your situation is now, it doesn't mean that it's forever. And it doesn't mean that it's bad um, or good. It just means that you're in it now, but there will be an end to that. And even it goes back to your decision-making process. Like you can decide when there is an end to that because as you said, and beautifully, I will quote it now, I'm a grown woman and (laughs) I know myself. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I listen, I love being old. It's very, it is very delightful. And it is, I mean, it is such a perspective shift, even when you talk about uh, talking to your mom and she's like, looking back, these are the things I wish that I had realized before. And I think we're, I am, I'm in squarely into my thirties now. And I look back and I'm like, 
I get like this all makes sense. I wish it had made sense to me a little sooner. <laughs> you know, I was I was texting with a one of my very best friends. We've been best friends since the third grade. I was texting with her this morning because my mom found some old pictures. I asked her to find old pictures of me from when I was the mascot in junior high. That's a good because time. I everybody is like posting their cheer pictures, and I just want to be like, sometimes you weren't the cute cheerleader. Sometimes. You're the chubby kid shoved in an eagle costume. I don't know if you've seen the Hulu show, but it's called Behind the Mask. And it is oh, it is yes. a delight. It is Love on it. par with cheer. So, but anyway, yes. your mom was sending you pictures. But so I, and I was texting them to my friend and she, we cheered together. We played tennis together. And uh, she said, can you believe we spent so much time thinking that we were overweight or our bodies weren't good enough? And I said, what? a waste of our lives to, cons- like, who cares? Yep. Just be healthy and, you know, like, eat, th- you know, eat good food sometimes, eat not good food sometimes, whatever. Who cares? Like, just uh, just the, the time that I spent thinking such a wrong thing. Yes, worrying over it and, like, mm-hmm. just, you know, putting all your emphasis. I remember I told someone this the other day that I started doing sit-ups in seventh grade. I remember the night I got home and I was like, I'm going to do 50 sit-ups every single sit-ups. Watch me. I'm going to look right. I'm going to look like Brittany when she's Mm -hmm. in that school in that skirt. I'm going to go to school like that too. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to look, and listen, it never did happen, nor should it. No, no, no. That was not going to be healthy or good for anyone to see. But (laughs) I do, I agree. It was just such a huge waste of time. And I think we only get as cheesy as it sounds. We only get that kind of wisdom as we get older and look back on oh, it. No one, no one can convince you Mm-mm. when you're young. Mm-mm. You're like, no, no, I'm right. Yep. And that's like, and listen, my kids are the best example of that. They think I'm the stupidest person that has ever walked How the face of the How old are your girls? So I have a 10-year-old, an almost 7-year-old, and they're both girls. And then we have our little surprise who uh, is was two. Was he a surprise? Uh, yes, he was. What a fun <laughs> surprise. Hello, he sir. He was a fun surprise. He is he is just the prince of our home. Listen, <laughs> this kid will not be normal. Every morning when he comes downstairs, like the girls applaud him. That is and the I best. was like, we are raising mm-hmm. a monster. He's going to walk will, into school and expect some like, sort of applause. What is wrong with you all? the applause. This is how we get entitled white men. It's from, it's this. This is exactly how it happens. <laughs> you are the prime example of it. We're learning so much. <laughs> yes. Um, I know that recently, when did you re- release um, your devotional, The Comforting Words? Remind me when that came out. So uh, The Comfortable Words came out like, uh, gosh, I don't even remember now. Maybe... Maybe like in October. To you, does it feel centuries ago that it came out? Or is it like... Yes, because I tend to write things and then completely forget about them. So, well, this yeah. one I could not forget about. I, oh, well, I that's got so nice. it. And I'm about to quote you to you. So oh, just I love en- that. enjoy this moment of that. I, I will. I'm going to sit in this. <laughs> but, you know, when I was reading it, I didn't know what to uh, expect of it. I just knew I was excited for it. Um, but in it, I am someone who is semi, but not fully ready to admit that I find my fullness of who I am just bound tightly to what I I can have or will do that kind of deal. But Mm -hmm. when I read this one, I think it was like one sentence, um, it said any kind of rest is vulnerable. It's conceding for a moment. Someone else can take care of it. And we are not the center of the universe. I was a little angry. It ticked me off a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. It really, I get it. It really ticked me off because it felt like I was getting personally attacked in that moment. I get it. Like, I'm so sorry. Like you knew me. That was the Holy Spirit coming oh, for you. Mm, it was not In me. the form of Aaron Moon it was. You better believe it. <laughs> he was using you. Um, but 
I know that the whole thing is beautifully written and the different seasons that you walk through and the words that you put to them, that kind of writing really comes mostly from experiences. At least I've learned that, that you can write that way when you've walked through something. So um, I did want to ask just what, why did you write it? I mean, what made you kind of go down that train of thinking, this is a book that needs to be written? So I don't ever write devotionals from like a place of, I'm here on this mountain and I know more than you. My, like, the the word picture that always comes to mind is, like, we're all on the shore of a lake and everybody's like, should we get in? Is it cold? Like, how are we going to feel? And I'm like, hey, I will, let's grab that rope swing and I'll go first. And, um, and then I'll let you know. And it may be cold and it, like, there may be creatures down here, but we'll all be here together. And so um, I, I, I wrote a, a Lent guide last year for Lent and um, I'm writing another one again, but the comfortable words came for me. Like there were, there was so much going on in the world. I think personally and globally, um, like family members were in places of real genuine pain. Um, the, the, the political climate is, is insane. And I would always find there's a, portion in the Anglican liturgy, liturgy, I'm Anglican. And so uh, it's called the comfortable words. And it's just uh, a portion. It's like, hear believers, what uh, Christ has said to you to comfort you and um, not to make you comfortable, but to bring you comfort. And it, you know, it's these, these four verses. And then I added six more because it's no use pretending that the world isn't this unbelievably dark and painful place Mm -hmm. for so many people um, in different levels and in different ways, but, but it absolutely is that. And I, what I wanted to know is, is the Bible, can the Bible speak to that? Can, are these words just words or do they mean something? And can they be helpful in that? I was really, I was really frustrated with the idea of like someone just applying a a biblical bandaid to a problem um, that's not prescriptive to me. I want to know the meat inside of it. Yeah. And so instead of, instead of uh, like, I just, so this is basically just me going through that process and then writing it out and saying, if you want to come with me, great. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people are in a lot of pain right now mm-hmm. and it's hard to talk about. It's, uh, it feels weird to talk about. It feels complaining to talk about, but, um, but but God is with us in that, and I I that's what I found writing the devotional, and I hope that's what people find when they experience it. Well, it was just so easy to apply. I mean, it was. I mean, it's like it didn't feel like a band aid. It was. Oh my gosh, I'm getting at the crux of why this feeling is here. And but when you do study, I was curious about this. Um, I know with the Bible binge, you used to be the gentle rebuke. Um, I don't know if you you yes, you've got a bigger role with Esther this season. I haven't listened to this season yet. It just came out right like this week. Yeah, it just came out this week. And so my role on the Bible binge is I'm the resident Bible scholar, and I'm qualified to do that because I was a theater major. Um, <laughs> Makes so, sense. Yes, as 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 we all are, but. Um, I have been writing and editing Bible studies for over 15 years. And so, but I'm all self-taught and self-learned. Mainly, I just read a whole lot. Yep. And so, um, but my role is Knox and Jamie will break down the story. Um, they kind of recap it like we would a book or a movie yep. or a TV show. And then I come in and correct their heresies. 
which is which um, everyone needs that in their lives. Truthfully. Oh, yes, yeah, you need sure. that. So. But when you do that, and I was curious about how you studied for the comforting words. Like you obviously, it was a lot based on empathy of, hey, I feel what you all are feeling, and here's what I've learned through it. But how do you, when you go to use scripture, not as a band-aid, but as something that actually applies to your life, how do you go about going into the word that way? Instead of just opening your Bible app and reading a quick, like three sentences that are like, oh, I feel better. How do you actually read it and apply it in a way that sticks? I think in the same way that it's hard to understand another person unless you talk to them, experience what life is like in their world, see their hardships, understand what makes them tick. I think the same can be said for scripture. We are applying Psalms uh, to tragedies in our lives, but we have no idea what the background of that is. Like, And so to me, it's very interesting and, and very helpful to get context. And so I always want to know the context. What's happening in the world at this time? When was this, you know, for in the comforting words, there's a, uh, we look at a Psalm and uh, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, yeah, that's a great line. That's great. Good, Put that on a pillow. Good, mm-hmm. good poetry, mm-hmm. David. But when we look back and we peel back and we figure out why he wrote that and what he was experiencing, I think that just enriches the entire the text. And I think that's the same as like understanding, you know, I used to get so annoyed with the preachers at my home church because I was like, I don't care what the Greek word says here, but the Greek word there is so important because maybe it says something different. Maybe it illuminates the text in a different way. Maybe the fact that, you know, David was running from Saul at this point uh, or that he was lamenting the end of his relationship with Jonathan, like maybe that's important to the text and maybe that can, maybe that can build a connection between you and the scripture that wasn't there before. And I think that's how scripture comes alive to yes. us. It's and not just a book. It's mm-hmm. it's something that is meaningful to yeah. us. Yeah. And it's our, I mean, our pastor now says all the time, it's not just a story, it's our story. Like you are mm-hmm. in this story too. But that information, I think we are afraid we can only find it at church. Like if a pastor tells oh, us yeah. this, but yeah. it is so easy to find now to get that kind of context and that basis of where the story it's came from. It's never been easier to call yourself a Bible scholar. Trust me, I know. Just look at this theater major turned Just theologian. Just theater major, yeah. <laughs> well, with that in mind, I know that you're about to release. I thought it was like a month away that you're releasing your new Lent guide, but it's like a week. Yes, the pre-order will open in a week or so. That sounds that sounds like such a big deal, Aaron. It does pre-order my book. It's pre-order great. <laughs> my book that I wrote on my myself laptop that yes. I made on the Photoshop. You'll love it. It'll be the best thing. But it will. I'm telling you right now. If you have not read, and you can be feel uncomfortable with, with these words coming at you, Aaron. If you have not read her words, you need to go read them. But with this lint guide. What was the basis of it? Lent, I mean, I made this hilarious joke before that it's still a little fuzzy for me. But so good. Lent, Solid. we need to write, that's going to be a tweet. Um, yeah. But we, it is something that we know the word. We don't know what it is. So tell us about the guide, why you wrote it, kind of what the purpose of it is. Yeah. So for me, I grew up Southern Baptist my whole life. We didn't, we didn't do a Lent thing. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we didn't even, we didn't do Advent. Like I know Advent is very sexy yeah. now. We did um, casseroles. Lots, 
You know, yes. we did the casserole. We did potluck, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about church history at night church. Yeah. So <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> um, but we, uh, but I became Anglican ten years ago, and just through my process of kind of discovering all of these new ways to worship and engage and um, personal practices that um, I wanted to do as opposed to community community practices within my congregation, um, Lent became like a very meaningful practice for me. And so I encountered, in, in the same way, I encountered a lot of people who were like, hey, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had, I wish there was a resource that explained it to me. And so um, last year I did a Lent guide that was more um, like the basics and how you how you go through this and how you go through Holy Week and traditionally what we've done. And I think it's, you know, even if you are Southern Baptist, there are things you can do in your own personal practice that mm-hmm. uh, you can you can cherry pick from different denominations. Uh, that's okay. And uh, so anyway, I did that and um, that was really fun to kind of explore that and go deep with that and um, help teach other people what that looks like. And so this year, the Lent Guide is on the banger of a book, Ecclesiastes. Look and at you. Yeah. That's, using, a, that's a deep dive right there. Mm-hmm. It's a tough book. It yeah. really is. But that's kind of what I like about it. And um, I really wanted to use Lent, this self-reflective kind of time that and and dive into this book that is a weird book to be it's kind of amazing that it ever ended up in biblical canon at all mm-hmm. and um use the gospels to answer the questions that come up from ecclesiastes so that'll be what it's about and then there's you know there's still the basic like hey we're going to fast hey we're going to feast um we're going to you know support charities and how can we give back to our community lent's that lent is good at sitting in that tension of like being self reflective and then also offering things mm-hmm. to the world um fasting and feasting it's, it's all living in that tension well you also don't realize until you get older another thing you don't is it's almost like you crave more self reflection as you get Right. Like you're not even thinking about that in your 20s or, you know, high school years, whatever. You're not, it's not, that was not important to me. I was like, I'm just trying to figure my life out. I don't need to figure Mm -hmm. me out right now. Yeah. But then you kind of start settling into a rhythm and you're, there's, you realize you're not making time for any of that self reflection, but it's almost like your soul wants it. Like, Mm -hmm. let's get a temperature where we're at. And I know we've talked about this several times already, but you know, we, we framed this whole podcast around the seasons of life. You really wish someone, would have told you about, like you wish you would have been prepped for. When you look back at your life, what is there a season that pops up to the front of your mind that you're like, why is no one talking about this right now? Why did no one tell me about this? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, so many, but my, we had a, we had a season in life where we thought that God had explicitly told us to move to Nashville. Um, and, I still think that he did, and it was the worst experience of our lives. Um, nothing against Nashville. How long were you there? We were there for eight months. We oh. had a baby there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and our, our one random kid born in Tennessee. But it was it was such a dark and awful time. And everybody, like, there was, like, PTSD in our family for, like, years following this. And 
you know, I think about it all the time and I think about, were we wrong? Were, did we mishear God? And I think, I don't think we can base those seasons of our life. If we heard God, yes, it was, and it was good. Great. Good job. You did it. You discerned God's voice. Everything went great for you. Or I missed it and everything went bad. I think so often, like I, my husband grew, I grew, our marriage became stronger. We were so, we were so much more honest with ourselves and with God. And it was like we, my young, my oldest daughter and I would just sit on the stairs and cry because we were so miserable. I came home to my husband crying all the time. It was, it was so awful. And I think no one wants to be honest about, or that's not true. There are lots of people who want to be honest about that. But I think it's so important to not give so much attention to those times, but to, but to look back at them and think there are still things about that that brought depth and richness and goodness into my life. And I never, I don't ever want to paint something with a broad brush like that was all bad or that was all good. Like there are learning moments and cadences in every season of our life for sure. But I don't think that we can, you know, I think often of the Israelites in the, you know, in the desert and they've been, they've been freed from slavery. And they're like, did you bring us out here just so we could die to, in hunger? Like, just what? This smack is smack him in the face. Yeah, that was the plan all along. But but I do that all the time. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. And so I get it. And I used to be like, oh, the Israelites, they're complaining. And then I'm like, oh, no, I am the Israelites. Why am I yeah. in Nashville? Get me yeah. out of here. Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, I want to, I always want to pay attention to what happens and what I'm offering with what happens and how am I responding when things are good and how am I responding when they're bad, knowing that he is in control of all of it. When, you know, you talked about how, you know, we were confident that God was telling us to move to Nashville. And you said, I look back and I'm still confident, even though it was awful, I'm still confident. How do you find the confidence in knowing your next move? Like, I mean, I know we talked about how you make a decision, but like when you really feel like God is asking you to do something drastic, I think a lot of people get so flustered over um, emotional responses versus like a biblical or a, you know, like a scripturally based, because that's when God speaks to me most is when I'm actually in his word is when I've never audibly heard him tell me what to do, but I do, you know, like his word speaks to me constantly. But I know a lot of people are like, well, maybe I should move. Maybe I shouldn't move. And then if they do, it's like you said, they're like, it was, he wasn't speaking to me. This was not, I did the wrong thing. It's all about black and white, right or wrong. God said this, God didn't say that. Yeah. I think the thing I've learned from my time as a Bible studies writer and editor is that, <laughs> and, and, and it, being in Ecclesiastes so much lately, like, it's hard for humans to discern what God is up to. Like Ecclesiastes says that like God has put eternity in our hearts, but he's not going to let us really know what that means. And you're just like, oh, well, it's there. Okay. Just let it it's be. It's there. Yes. Know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. So I think we don't, I think we miss the mark when we're like, God told me which college to go to. No, God cares about his relationship with you. And you can have that relationship with him if you go to, you know, 
wherever you go, whatever you do, it's it's not about the places necessarily. It might be in, in any particular instance, but I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit works in you. I think all the time about Peter having that dream where he's like, you can have all the bacon you want now. Like we're not tied to these, you know, dietary restrictive laws. And I would be like, hey, yo, we have been uh, we've been not doing the bacon thing, the pork thing for thousands of years. And now you want me to just believe that you had a dream and meat came down from a sheet and now everything is cool. Like I have problems with that. Sounds and right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I go, there are so many mistakes like mysteries about God that we're never going to understand. And I think that we can only do the best that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think often of Peter again, previous to this, when he, when all the disciples left, you know, like seven disciples left Jesus and the 12 remained. And Jesus was like, are you guys going to go too? like, what, can we make a decision here? And Peter's like, I don't know where else you want me to go. Like, I don't understand everything that you're doing, but you have the words of life. So I don't know where else we're supposed to go. So it's like, it's this tension of like, I I honestly don't know a lot about hearing God's voice and discerning God's will. And like, what are the, what's the five-step program for that? But it's like, also there's nowhere else. Like I know that the truth is here. Mm -hmm. So how will I let that define what I do, how I parent, where I live, where I work, all of that? Mm -hmm. I had a great friend. He said that it's not always about right or wrong. It's about like good or better when you're pursuing God's will. Like God doesn't see it as you've gotten it right or wrong if you're in pursuit of Him and obedience of Him. It's good or better decisions. Mm, And we'll we'll say Nashville was just a good decision. Maybe not it a better. It's such a good decision. Listen, when I, anytime I go to Nashville now, when I cross the Tennessee state line, like I have a stress visor. That I was going to say, do you have anxiety that just wells up as soon as yeah. you even like hear the word Nashville and you just flash Absolutely. back to those times? Absolutely. It was such a dark time. What took you to Na- Why Nashville? Like, was there work so, there? There was work there for me. Okay. My, my, like, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this moment where it's like, something is going on here because the pizza delivery place won't hire my husband. Like it was like an active <laughs> blocking. It was like the cherubim at the entrance yes. to Eden. You and will not like, come into their- pizza hut. No. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're, we're not going to. And so it was, you know, I was pregnant and then, um, I had this new job, Holland, my eldest daughter who was, you know, had four at the time. She would come home crying every night. She hated her daycare. You know, Ben was looking for jobs every day. He was so defeated. He was feeling so defeated. Um, And then he did get a job, but it was back in Birmingham. Mm. So I had a baby. I had a newborn and a four-year-old. And he would um, leave Monday morning at five o'clock in the morning. He'd be gone for the week until Mm -mm. Friday at the end of the day. And he would come back and he'd stay with us. And then he would do it all over again. And it was... I ate so many break and bake cookies mm-hmm. to make myself feel mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. At but that they, point, how else are you going to get through? You know, I don't know how else you're supposed to live at that point. But you know, I and it was and really, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know if I'll ever know the reasons why we came, but I do know that good blossomed out of that. Yeah. Um. And it some of it took a while to find, and some of it, you know, took a while to excavate. But um, but there were so many blessings that came out of that. I you know, that's how I got my other job. That's how I met Jamie. You know, uh, 
Jamie and I had a podcast randomly whenever I was in Nashville. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, and it was a it was a real long running eight episode. Um, <laughs> but I was like depressed, and I was yes. like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so yep. sorry. And she's like, That's fine, whatever. <laughs> and you know, uh, she went on to start the podcast with Knox, and so. Um, you know, there are a lot of good things that came from that, but I, I think if we don't, I hesitate to use the word honor, but pay attention Mm -hmm. to when things are tough and how we respond to that. That's when, that's when you grow your muscle of faithfulness. It's not in when like, you know, the money's coming in and everything's great. um, Mm -hmm. Everything's great. It's, it's, that's when you, you know, I, I had a parenting coach say to me, like, you don't, you don't work on your patience when everybody is doing what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. You work on your patience at the time when it's uh, when you want to be impatient. Like mm-hmm. that's how you work that muscle. And I think that's the same thing with faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And we think we just get it like randomly. We're going to be faithful just because things are great. But like you said about the Israelites, that is us. Like we are, yeah, we are them. They are us. We are awful. Yes, like it is absolutely. Just, <laughs> you write so much content. You like even when I follow you on Instagram stories, like you have so much content that you're taking in all the time that you turn around so quickly to talk about mm-hmm. it. Even before we started our conversation, your deep dive into Justin and Kelly again. I mean, that was special to watch. Like, thank you. It's we a very important film to me. It's a very important part of your life that we can't overlook yes. for even a minute. But <laughs> how do you? When do you turn it off? I mean, you know, like a lot of what you do requires you to be aware of content and what's going on around you. But where do you draw the line between, where do you make a boundary? How do you make it? Well, I think it depends on what it is. Um, like I I am learning to be, uh, I think we're all learning to be less attached to our phones. Mm-hmm. I do my best to not let my kids see me with a phone in my hand. And that is so so hard. I never, I, I try not to take a picture of them and then immediately post it. In fact, oh, I really great point anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just because they're people and I like, I don't, I don't judge anybody for doing that. I just don't want, you know, I have pictures of them, share them with family, send them to my grandmother's skylight, you know, like let, let the, but like some of that is for me. And um, I think you have to be really careful the lines you cross when you are doing social media and you're putting yourself out there as like a, not a public person, but kind of. Yeah. And um, I think you just have to be careful because once you cross that line, I don't, I think it's really hard to go back. I think about that often. Like, I don't want all their memories to be with me and a phone in my hand. Like, yeah. when they think about me, I don't want them to think, she always had her phone. Like, not even in yeah. a negative way. I don't even want that to be a thought. So, Oh, yeah. My phone lets me do a lot of really great things. My phone lets me be with them when I, you know, should be at work. My phone lets me document their lives. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's a tool. Like everything, it's a tool. It can either be, like, you know, you can either build a house with it or you can murder someone. Yes. I mean, we have lots of options here and that's the world we live in. It's beautiful. Um, Okay. So our wrap-up question, what are you so into? Are you so happy that someone has told you about? Okay. I am right now. Oh, I know what it is. Um, So I use the, um, I've started incorporating like a more structured, uh, like, to use the Southern Baptist terminology, quiet time into my life. There it is. So yeah, I have, uh, my goal this year is I'm going to make coffee 
uh, every night before I go to bed. So that will in turn encourage me to get out of bed at an appropriate time. So, but my goal is the coffee. Yeah. Like do the, because if I, if I do the coffee, then I'm probably going to go through with the whole thing. If I don't do the coffee, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not. Why does it feel um, like after like 9 p.m. doing anything like that is such a, it's uh, painful. It's like, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm comfortable. Why am I going to go do that mm-hmm. right now? Last night, it was it really stunk because I was already in bed. And I was like, I didn't do the coffee. No. Oh. So, did you get up? But I did. I I'm so I proud like, of you. Get up. What a get moment. Up. Don't break the chain. Yep. That's what James Clear says. Don't break the chain. A lot of rally. So um, I, but my sister-in-law for Christmas gave us, this is such a random thing, but it is really I love it. She gave us this coffee from these coffee beans from San Antonio. It's very specific. Co- yeah. From Merit Coffee. And it is so good. If and then I also love coffee from nonfiction coffee here in Birmingham. Yes. The best. I feel like I've seen that several places. Yeah, I probably have. They sponsor the podcast, but this is not an ad. It is legitimately it's just that good. the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And then someone told me. We are we are big uh, non dairy milk fans at our house oh, because wow. everybody everybody has a intolerance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who can take dairy well. I really don't. Delicate, delicate. Like I'm a hearty pioneer type body. Like I can like do whole milk. Like let's chug some buttermilk. But everybody else in my family is very delicate. Mm-hmm. So we do oat milk for my son who is lactose intolerant. But they have oat milk creamer now, and I am ub. Obsessed. So you're a fa- like it was good. It did the job. I love it. It's just like heavy whipping cream. Really, we're learning I stand so by much. That. Uh, listen, oh that's a gosh, bold I statement. Love a dairy product. That is a bold statement, and we're going to have to investigate further before we can say that that's the truth. But I mean, Aaron, what do you know about a that snickerdoodle flavor? Okay, see, that that's all life. it took for me. You say the word snickerdoodle, I'm invested. I'm in. I I'm in your boat. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? A soft centered cookie. Let's get on board oh, with yes, that. Yes, Lord. Yeah. But I think the best coffee has to be Dunkin', Aaron. I think you know that in your heart. Just let it be. I, can, I cannot let stand by that. Uh, but I appreciate your fervor. Like, good, again, good for you, not for me. But, Aaron, thanks so much uh, oh, for jumping so on here. We are going to link to the pre order because you're big time. Of your new lit guide, but also the comforting words and your lit guide from last year, too. It's all such good stuff. So we'll make sure. And we can't leave out the swipe up. I mean, this is your own commercial right now that I'm doing for you wow, because I love so I love all of it so much. So it's very nice. The swipe up, too. We'll do all that on show notes. And we are big fans of yours and we appreciate you jumping on here with us. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.